Hello, welcome back to the Get Well Soon podcast. My name's Hannah and I'm your host. This is episode seven. Welcome. My drink of the day today is a brown sugar latte with coconut milk. And you might be asking why coconut milk? And I will say it is not by choice, technically. I got coconut milk for this other drink I was trying to make, and that was really good. And all I had in the fridge for a latte was coconut milk, so I was like, okay, I guess I'll be using that. And it was actually good, so maybe give it a try if you've been considering it. Um, Not too bad. And obviously, it's in a cute cup, of course. It's actually in the same cup as last the last episode I did, so yeah, it's Lay's, so what can I say? How's everybody doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm looking forward to today's topic. It kind of stems a bit from the last episode, which was about emotional intelligence. So this week I decided to talk about attachment theory and attachment styles because I had someone who had listened to the episode on emotional intelligence come to me and ask, what's attachment styles and how do you know what your attachment style is? So I was like, hey, that's a good question. (laughs) Let me do a podcast episode on that because I think it's a really cool concept and something to be aware of because it not only makes a huge difference in your own self and realizing where you learned these traits and where these things stem from as far as your attachment not only with yourself but with other people and specifically how it comes from your relationship with your parents when you were younger All of these things are really cool to know and to just have a little bit more self-discovery with because I think they bring this sense of awareness when it comes to not only your relationship with yourself and just knowing more about yourself, but specifically when it comes to friendships, but more specifically like a romantic relationship. This is super helpful to know and to be aware of. So I'm going to give an overview of um, what attachment theory is, what attachment styles are. There are different kinds of attachment styles and there are different reasons for why that is your attachment style. And I want to talk a bit about what each of those look like. And I'm sure during that process, you're going to probably resonate with one of the attachment styles that I'm going to talk about. And hopefully that will help you figure out what your attachment style is. And if not, then we can talk about how do you find out what your attachment style is and why this is important and how you can heal your attachment style and hopefully get to a place where you are a securely attached person. So attachment theory was proposed by John Bowlby in 1969. He came up with this theory that explains how and why a newborn becomes so emotionally connected with its mother. Um, He talks about the stages of attachment. So the first one would be pre-attachment, which is from when the child's born to six weeks. The second stage is attachment in making, which is from six weeks to six to eight months. 
The third stage is clear-cut attachment, which is six to eight months to 18 to 24 months. And then the fourth stage is formation of reciprocal relationships, which is 24 months on. So basically what this guy is doing is he's trying to understand the intense distress that infants experience who are separated from their parents. He observes that these infants would have these behaviors like crying, frantically searching for their parents, whatever it is, to prevent the separation and to reestablish the closeness to the missing parent. So they did these experiments with the kids and the parents and they separate the kids from the parents and they observe the kids' reactions. So what they observed was that 60% of the children responded in this normal way in Bowlby's theory. They became upset when the parent left the room, but when he or she returned, they actively sought out the parent and were easily comforted by the parent. Children who showed this pattern of behavior were labeled as secure. And then for the other kids, the other 40%, there was 20% of them who were upset initially and upon the separation became extremely distressed. Importantly, when they were reunited with their parents, those children had a difficult time being soothed and they were showing conflicting behaviors like they wanted to be comforted, but then they also wanted to kind of punish the parent for leaving. So they labeled these children, this 20% of them, as anxious resistant. And then for the other 20% of the children, um, they documented as avoidant. So these children didn't appear too upset by the separation from their parents. And then upon the reunion with their parents, they actively avoided seeking contact with them, sometimes even turning their attention to just play with whatever toys that they had given them in the lab. So they were kind of just seemingly unbothered. So this was kind of the original research when it came to attachment theory. They were specifically looking at the relationship between a baby and a parent. It wasn't until like 1987, I believe, that there were these other two researchers who took these ideas of Bowlby's and discussed them in the context of romantic relationships. They were seeing that the emotional bond that develops between adult romantic partners is partly a function of the same motivational system, this attachment behavioral system. And what they saw was that the relationship between infants and caregivers and the relationship between adult romantic partners shared these following features, that they both felt safe when the other was nearby and responsive, they both engaged in close, intimate bodily contact, they both felt insecure when the other was inaccessible, they both played with one another's facial features and exhibit a mutual fascination and preoccupation with one another, and both engage in baby talk. On the basis of these similarities, these two researchers argued that adult romantic relationships, just like the infant and caregiver relationships, are attachments, and that romantic love is a property of the attachment behavioral system, as well as the motivational systems that give rise to caregiving and sexuality. So all of this is just basically to give you this background information of where attachment theory comes from, and I think it's super interesting that it does come from when 
we are literally children, that that's how this idea of attachment theory came to be and was first discovered because it's showing it's such a fundamental foundational kind of belief system and theory that is still applied within our adult relationships. And it's just crazy to me how the attachment style that we create when we are so young, maybe not specifically when we are a baby, but as we grow up and as we experience these relationship dynamics with our parents or other people in our lives, whoever it is, that's influencing the way that we connect, the way that we attach to somebody and how that's going to be setting the course for what our relationships are going to look like until we're able to be self-aware of different things and change some things around and whatever it might look like. So let's talk about what attachment styles are. There are different ways that people put the attachment styles, like different ways that people explain them, but this right here is my favorite way that I've seen it. Um, So this one here has it listed as four different types of attachment style. And the first one's secure, the second's avoidant, the third is anxious, and the fourth is disorganized. So let's go through these and talk a little bit about what it looks like. For the securely attached individual, they're going to be comfortable with closeness. They're going to be trusting that they're valuable and worthy of love. They are able to communicate openly and honestly. They're able to be vulnerable and hold their partner's vulnerability without needing to run away or without feeling uncomfortable within that. And they are capable and oftentimes they're in need of their own self to be independent but also for their partner to be independent. So that's kind of a brief overview of a securely attached person. For the avoidance, they have a hard time knowing their feelings or that they even have them. They want a relationship, but closeness can feel uncomfortable and mysterious to them. They approach emotional problems with reason and logic. They never really learned how to deal with conflict in relationships, and they don't really understand what attachment needs are. Like, they don't think that they have any, and they don't generally act out of that need. Typically, they're a little bit oblivious to what their needs are and not understanding of what they need in a relationship, what they need from a partner, and etc. For the anxious attachment, they fear rejection and abandonment. That's their core fear. They need a lot of reassurance, but they have a hard time trusting it when it actually is done. So when they are being reassured by their partner, they're like, "Eh, are you sure? Like, do you actually mean that? Like they don't actually believe it and trust it. They oftentimes take care of others, but that kind of makes them feel resentful, which is probably just indicating that their own needs aren't being met and they're constantly giving to other people, but they're not seeing how their own needs are being met. They are desperate to be heard and validated, and they crave closeness, but they also associate closeness with abandonment. And what I mean by that is they think of closeness as this is like the stepping stone to abandonment. So in order to not 
feel abandoned, which like I said, is one of their core fears, they're going to avoid that closeness to avoid that chance of being abandoned altogether. And then for the disorganized attached, their inner experience is chaotic and confusing. They kind of partake in this pulling you in and then pushing you out kind of thing and then pulling you back in. It's this very back and forth thing because they're so disorganized with how they do attach. They're not just constantly pushing or constantly trying to get you to come in. It's this very back and forth thing. They have a very negative self-image. They can't go forward with others until they learn it's safe to trust and what trust even means. And their behaviors are unpredictable and hard to categorize, which is indicative of that disorganized attachment. So what does healing look like for these four attachments? For the secure, obviously they're in a very good place. They are they are healed as far as their attachment style goes. They are secure. So they're not looking for validation from others. They're not thinking any kind of, you know, insecure thoughts like this person doesn't like me, this person is thinking this and having these anxious thoughts. And they're also realizing what their needs are. So they're able to communicate them. So they're not avoiding their needs. So that's the secure attachment they're chilling. For the avoidance... They will benefit from therapy for sure, which a lot of people will, but for the avoidance, therapy is going to help them to access and own and name and to express their feelings that they have a hard time even really seeing. When they learn how to manage and comfort their own emotions, they are going to be able to give that to others and their relationships will feel a lot better because of that awareness that's being brought in and also that safety that they're creating in feeling their own emotions and being able to work through them and understand them and that makes them more prone to actually being okay with talking about them instead of running away from them and avoiding them. When they learn to navigate the conflict, they won't feel this need to avoid it. They have the same needs as everybody else and they just need to learn to get in touch with them. They need to learn to look inward and figure out who they are, what they feel, what they think. You know, these people, people who avoid their emotions, people who avoid their feelings, they don't really have a great idea of who they are, which can oftentimes turn into this poor self-image, or maybe they can't even connect with who they are on the inside because they don't really know what they want. So for the avoidance, I think some self-reflection would be good. Some, you know, trying to practice some self-awareness and, you know, definitely getting therapy to talk about just who they are and being to express themselves in a safe space where then somebody can say to them, you know, this is what you're feeling and this is how we can work through that. And that would be a really powerful thing for them. For the anxiously attached, healing for them looks like being able to tolerate moments when they feel rejected. They can seek reassurance from others and also learn to give themselves reassurance. And this is really key when it comes to anxiously attached. It's creating the space within your mind, within yourself to process through emotions, to accept them, to look at them and not view them as part of yourself, but to view them as a separate thing than you and be able to note how it's making you feel physically, note what it is that you are expecting, what you are wanting. A lot of times with anxious people, 
emotions feel so overwhelming and like you're feeling like something's inside of you that's trying to crawl out and you you just need something like you need something from somebody or you need to do something or whatever it is it comes with this sense of urgency typically so for a healed person who is typically anxiously attached for somebody like this being able to reassure yourself and then to come to your relationships in this way of you know that you're taking care of yourself emotionally that way when you do have needs of somebody else you know that it's coming from this secure place instead of oh I need I need I need like you're gonna fix me I'm so anxious, I'm so stressed, like I need you to do all of this that way I can be in the prime position to operate normally. That's not how it works unfortunately and for the anxious person to note what it is that they need to control on their own, what it is that they need to work on to get to this place of feeling safe, feeling calm with their emotions and in their own body and then coming to somebody else with whatever need it is that they have, that type of person is going to notice a huge difference in how they feel and in how they view the other person who is probably, or I'm not going to say probably, but the other person might be working hard to fulfill that need that the anxious person has but for the anxious person it's gonna be harder for you to see how the other person is working how the other person is stepping up to meet your needs and to be there for you you're gonna have a hard time seeing that when you're so torn up inside about all these things and all this insecurity that you have that you can't even take a second to be like oh thank you so much for working on that because that's what a relationship is it's this give and take it's this you know working together and coming together to support each other it's not just oh I'm anxious so that means you need to do this this and this to make me feel better you know for an anxious person to heal from that it's this really cool thing that you can see in them when they're able to work through their own emotions and sit with them and you know reassure themselves and then if they then need reassurance from somebody else it's it's coming from a totally different place so so sorry, I went on for a little bit with that one, but that was a big one that was huge for me. I personally, I'm actually not 100% sure where I'm at with attachment styles. I don't know if I'm anxious or avoidant or a bit disorganized. I'm not sure, but um, I really resonate with that one of, you know, creating that safe space and reassuring yourself. That way you can come to the table in a much more fuller and complete way. That way you're not looking for somebody else to complete you and to make you feel okay. Cause that's when you can start to get into like codependency and all of that. So that's that on um, the anxious person. Another thing for the anxious person when they heal is they recognize that they don't have to make everybody else happy to be valuable, which is huge for sure. And then they're able to also learn better ways to be heard or validated. So that kind of ties in with that reassurance piece. You know, when you're able to come to somebody in a much more calmer, fuller way because you're able to reassure and hold space for your own emotions, that's going to change the dynamic of your relationship big time. For the disorganized attached person, they definitely benefit from therapy as well because a therapist is going to be able to help them organize all of their conflicting thoughts and feelings and work through them and break things down. They are able to see that some people are safe. (laughs) 
the healthier that they get, the more they're able to recognize people who are safe and people who are going to invest in a healthy relationship with them. They're learning to trust their worthiness. So that kind of ties in, that's kind of like that anxious, anxiously attached piece in that disorganized attached style. They're learning to trust that they have value without, you know, needing to be a certain way and do things a certain way the way that other people want them to. They're worthy just as they are and they're able to recognize that and trust it. They realize that they don't have to let their past dictate their future, that they are not defined by by their past and that they are resilient. That's kind of tying in with those affirmations that I was kind of talking about. I think it was last episode. When you are working to heal your attachment style, affirmations are gonna help you a lot. And like I said before, like affirmations, they can be a little, I don't know, sometimes they're weird. Sometimes it's just uncomfortable. It's very unnatural, but Anything new that you do is going to feel unnatural. It's going to feel weird. So just give it a try and stick with it for three months or six months or just a longer period of time than like a day or a week and see if you notice some differences with just the language that you speak to yourself with because that's going to make a big impact in your life and in your mindset and just in how you talk to yourself. That's going to do a lot to support a certain set of beliefs that you are trying to implement into your mind about who you are. So this is going to look different depending on what attachment style you resonate with. You know, for the avoidance, it might look like I'm still valuable even though I make mistakes. I am still strong even when I have needs. I, you know, just reminding yourself that being strong isn't the only way that you will be accepted and loved. Saying I embrace my emotions and feelings openly. Saying that over and over and over again and instilling that in your head is going to make an impact in how you think about yourself. And for the anxious, that might look like I am safe and secure. I am doing my best. I am in charge and I feel calm. My feelings are valid. I can clearly communicate my needs. Those types of things where you're reminding yourself of the core of who you are with your emotions and being able to reassure yourself and come to the table in this calm, reassured way. And then for the disorganized attached person, your affirmations will probably look like a combination of those two where you're realizing that you don't need to know everything in order to be valuable and that your feelings are valid and realizing those two things at the same time and coming from a place where you can reassure yourself but also give yourself a voice to be able to speak up about the things that you know to be true and that you have been able to see patterns of and witness these you know feelings that you're having and while I think that affirmations make a big impact and are going to help you so much to feel that inside of you that you are growing and healing and working through those things you know it's important to realize too that validation is important If you're in a relationship with somebody and you guys are realizing that, you know, one of you is anxiously attached and the other one is avoidantly attached and you're having conflict and you're having all of these issues and you can't figure out what the root is and, you know, every day is hard because of, you know, these things that you guys are struggling and working to heal within yourself 
validation is going to be a good tool to support the other person while realizing that it's not your place to fix them and it's not your place to control and try to make them feel a certain way but validations like just saying simple things like that makes sense I hear you I understand you you're not alone I'm right here I know it hurts you're not too much You know, these kinds of things are supporting the space that you are creating. And in order to do that, in order to create that space within your relationship where you can talk about things, where it's a safe space, where there's no highs and lows and conflict every time you speak, you know, all these things, that's going to come first from within yourself. How you're acting in your relationship and what you're projecting and just how you're acting overall, that's going to show what's going on inside of you. So for the anxiously attached, this is going to come out like you're freaking out and (laughs) you can't chill for two seconds because you want to figure out everything and you want to tell the other person what they're doing wrong all the time and you literally cannot chill for five seconds. (laughs) That's an exaggeration obviously, but, um, and then for the avoidant, it looks like not talking at all about your problems and about your feelings and trying to work through things with your partner. So Throwing those two together is going to create this very like, are we even on the same page? That's one example of that kind of a dynamic. And then you could have an anxious attached with an anxious attached and have that. And you guys are just both freaking out and you're trying to work through your stuff. And it's, you know, constantly fighting because you're coming from this very anxious place of trying to fix things, but you don't know how to fix them. And you're not feeling okay inside. So you're trying to seek that from the other person, but they're not feeling okay. So how are they going to be able to provide that for you if they don't even have that within themselves and all of that? And then with the avoidance, you know, if there's two of those, then that's going to come with its own set of issues. So realizing where you're at when it comes to your attachment style is pretty key when it comes to your romantic relationships and not only your romantic relationships but even your relationships with your parents and with your friends you know you're able to see those patterns of where am I coming from with what I'm saying to them you know you're realizing your intentions and that's a good thing to think about when you're thinking about how you're attached and you're recognizing oh I'm anxiously attached I need to work on that when you're communicating with friends family your romantic partner, whoever it is, check yourself. Before you say something to somebody, before you bring up an issue, before you address the same issue again, check your intention, you know, check yourself internally. How am I doing internally today? Am I feeling a little anxious? Have I been stressing about this for no reason? Or maybe there is a very good reason, but maybe today's not the day because you've had a long day and you've had a rough day and you're feeling tired and anxious and stressed and whatever. And, you know, for the anxious person, that's not going to create a good environment for that conversation to be had. So for the anxiously attached person, check yourself internally, see that you're calm, see that you're coming from a secure, safe place and you're not being emotionally reactive maybe and then for the avoidant maybe it's you have no idea how to talk about what you're feeling and you don't even know what you're feeling you know maybe you can just communicate simply that to your partner or to your friend whoever it is just explain where you're coming from and be like I'm sorry but this is where I'm coming from and let's try to talk about this tomorrow or you know just name a day where 
it's in the future, but it's in the near future and you're able to collect your thoughts and you're able to maybe talk to somebody else and try to get some thoughts flowing about what's going on inside that you can't really figure out how to say. Get that community, get those people around you who can help you work through those things and, you know, get a therapist to help you be able to recognize feelings and patterns and emotions and how you're able to communicate about them. And really, it's just going to come down to exposure therapy. Like, the repetition of these things, of these habits in your life is what's going to make a big difference with how you're able to shift how you naturally are attached to people and how you're able to shift from these unhealthy habits and unhealthy patterns within yourself and come to this secure, even keel place internally and then just let that flow out of you instead of trying to create this false environment that's not even genuine to who you are, take the time to invest into yourself mentally and emotionally, recognizing the patterns, and get serious about it. This is important work to do if you want to have a successful relationship, and I believe that fully. So take this seriously. It's important I understand not everybody wants to sit down and have a five-hour conversation about feelings and emotions and all of that. You know, that's a little bit maybe unrealistic or maybe best case scenario. I don't know. You know, I'm somebody that likes to talk about this kind of stuff, but not everybody is. And that's okay. It's okay to not have it be a passion of yours specifically, but rather look at it like this is the work that's required to have a healthier relationship. And if that's what you want, ultimately, then take the time to put into yourself to realize these things and to come to terms with it and to work to heal from it. That way you can come to your partner or come to your friends or whoever in just a much more complete and full place. And you'll be able to see evidence of that throughout your relationship once you're recognizing, oh, I was being very, you know, anxiously attached that day and I'm and I'm recognizing those behaviors in myself. And then, you know, another day you're recognizing, oh, wow, like I did pretty good there and I wasn't freaking out. And I was able to just communicate clearly and openly and calmly. And we had a great conversation and everything was okay, actually. It's cool to see that within yourself, how you change and grow and the work that you're putting into yourself in these ways and how that's coming out into your relationships. And it's cool. So take the time and figure out how you're attached. Figure out what kind of behaviors you exhibit when it comes to your relationships and get serious about it because it's cool. It's fun. It's actually pretty slay, I would say, to work on yourself and to have that growth mindset. So that's what I have to say, guys, about attachment theory, about attachment styles. I could probably go on about it for quite a while. I didn't get too much into the origins of why you become attached in that way and how attachment theories come to be because of different dynamics in the family and whatever because there's a lot to that too. But do your own research on this because it's really cool and you're able to figure out how you're attached and I'm sure by listening to this, you're able to get kind of an idea of how you might be but take the time to look into a quiz or just more information on it so you can come to a conclusion on I think I'm like this and then you know just dive right into it and do some work to figure out how you can improve and how you can just feel safe and feel secure and treat your relationships from that place 
because that'll be impactful for sure. So I hope you guys liked this episode. I felt like it was pretty interesting. I think it's something not a lot of people are super aware about. So if you guys found value in today's episode, please share it. Please, of course, follow the Instagram at GWSpod. And also, I do have a TikTok now. In case anybody's on TikTok and wants to follow me, that would be slay. It's, oh my goodness, I think it's at GWS Podcast. Just go on the Instagram and you can find the link to it there in my bio. I'm going to put a little link to all the different things, to the links to Spotify and Apple Podcasts where you can listen to the podcast and then to TikTok and of course Instagram are going to be in that as well. So Follow me on both Instagram and TikTok to stay up to date with all the things. And yeah, I hope you guys have a slay rest of your day. And if you did listen to the end of this episode, comment a hmm, comment a grape emoji, like the fruit. I feel like that's really random, but I'm just thinking of it for some reason. So Yeah, if you made it to the end of this episode, comment a grape emoji on my latest Instagram post and leave a comment about what you guys thought about this topic. I'm trying to get you guys to be more vocal about, you know, how you guys are feeling, how you guys are liking the pod. If you guys have any feedback for me, let me know because I love it. So that's all I have for you guys today. Hope you guys have a slay day, like I already said, and get well soon, okay? Bye!